Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Hello church family, it is great to have you joining us today, wherever you might be watching this from. I'm sorry that we don't get to be in the same room as we uh, spend this time together in worship and in the Word, but this is what we get to do. All right, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. If you are of the smartphone variety, you can follow along in the Version Bible app um, and feel free to make some notes. You can... Just write notes. You might come back to that later on. You might do some more of your own reading, your own study. We encourage you to do so. Not just take everything that we say as face value, but just to get into the Word more. This is meant to assist us um, in our studying of Scripture, but more so going deeper in our relationship with God and other people. (laughs) Pardon me. Mark chapter 7. As um, last week, Simon led us beautifully through the story of uh, Jesus walking on the water. But as Simon highlights, it's about so much more than that. And so at the end of chapter 6, we see Jesus um, having an encounter with the disciples. Uh, When he walks on the water, he gets in the boat, calms the wind, uh, and then they get to the land, and then the crowds are just rushing up to them, and and people are receiving healing just by touching the edge of Jesus' cloak, which is phenomenal, mind-blowing. And so now we get to this point where Jesus is going to have an encounter with the Pharisees, um, and then he has some... Small teaching with the crowd, and then he does some more teaching with the disciples. So he kind of covers three major groups all in this one section that we have. So let's get into it. Mark chapter 7. We're going to read a section um, and then recap. One thing to highlight is, you'll say, as I said, Jesus encounters the Pharisees. And you might think, who are the Pharisees? We don't see them in the Old Testament. No, they emerged in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what happened was... Uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And then out of that, there emerges a movement that wants to keep the rules because they realize if we don't keep the rules, we don't keep our relationship with God. Uh, And that's bad for everybody. So they say, all right, let's keep the rules. And so they start coming up with a whole bunch of more rules to help people keep the rules, the commands of God. Uh, And that's why they differentiate, as you'll see. We have the law of God, the commands of God, and then they come up with more rules which they hold on to as the tradition of the elders. So they started this, and the group of the Pharisees, who are the overseers of these traditions, um, the keepers of them, so to speak, emerge 130 to 150 years before Jesus shows up. So just a little bit of background, and we'll go more into that as we read through. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, your scripture might say, scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups pitchers and kettles. Now you'll see maybe in your translation it has verse 3 and verse 4 in brackets. That's because Mark is kind of interjecting um, his own comment to educate his audience because he knows this is not something that they'll be aware of. And so he seeks to educate them on what's actually happening here and explaining why they do the, uh, the washing 
of the dishes in the hands in this way. And it's not just washing for hygiene, which we are all so acutely aware of in this season. It's not just about hygiene, it's about purity, which is a big deal for the Pharisees. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And then he's going to, if you think that's harsh, he's going to kick it up a notch um, from verse 9. But we're going to get back to that in a second. So we have the Pharisees uh, who are the keepers of the tradition of the elders, which aren't are only a couple of hundred years old, and a growing list of the ways that people should keep the commands of God. The problem is, and this is what Jesus is highlighting, is that you have the commands of God, which God says, you follow these rules, you love me with all your heart, follow the rules, and it will go well with you. Follow the commands that I give you, it will go well. And then the Pharisees say, well, actually, we want to make sure that everybody follows those commands, so here's our list. And not only here is our list of traditions, we're going to elevate that to the same importance, the same priority for people as the commands of God, if not more so. And so Jesus says to them, uh, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Let go there, that word is the same word as Jesus uses when he teaches the disciples to pray, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So you think about what it is to forgive or be forgiven. It's complete letting go. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to use it against you. I'm not going to remember it and bring it up ever again. I'm just going to completely release you from the hurt that you might have caused me. A basic summary, all right? Just completely gone. And Jesus uses the same word to say you have completely let go of the commands of God, not even on your radar, and taken hold of the traditions of men. So the Pharisees, who initially the idea was to help people to follow the commands of God, have completely lost sight of the commands of God and said, follow all the rules. And so it's become an external behavior, an external action with an impure heart. We can beat up on the Pharisees, um, and sometimes it's well-deserved, but there's three main reasons, three goals that they had in wanting to, when they established these traditions of the elders as they now refer to it. And the first one was they realised that, as I said, that Israel was made to be holy and to be set apart for the Lord. So they thought, well, let's help people to be set apart. What can we do to help people know what they need to do in order to be set apart? And so they thought what was originally only for the priests in the temple. The priests were the only ones required by God's commands um, to do um, purification, washing, if I can call it that. And so the Pharisees looked at it and go, well, if the, fa- if the priests do that, 
and that's part of their purity, then everybody should do that, not just the priests. All right, so we'll make that a rule for everybody. So they wanted to make sure that everybody in the nation was being as pure as possible and continuing to be set apart because they thought that was something that was achievable for everybody in everyday life. The second goal that they wanted to achieve was they wanted to ensure that Israel, in their purity as the people who were clean, was set apart from the pagan culture and the pagan world around them who were the unclean. So you can see the clean and the unclean thinking coming in. It's not just about the washing of hands. It's about what do we need to do to make sure we stay clean because everybody else is unclean and we don't want to be like everybody else. So that was their goal, to make sure they stay separated from the pagan culture around them. And you kind of think, oh, yeah, okay, all right, that kind of makes sense. Stay holy to God, stay pure, stay set apart. They didn't want the outside world infiltrating them, and they didn't want them as a people to be infiltrating the outside world. Uh, And third, they assumed that God's natural order, His order of creation, is divine in and of itself. What do we need, therefore, to do to ensure that we stay a part of that divine order? And so they thought that needs to apply to everyday life and every aspect of everyday life, okay? So even down to our hand washing, that needs to recognize that God's order um, is holy and perfect and divine, so we need to wash our hands in order to maintain that divine order. Crazy but true. It wasn't just, like I said, it wasn't just about washing your hands and staying clean and making sure you, you, you don't catch a virus. It's about we need to do this in order to stay pure. And it wasn't just wash your hands for 20 seconds. It was you need to use the right bowl. You need to pour the water at a certain angle. You need to have a certain amount of water and do it for this certain way. I don't know, maybe this all sounds strangely familiar now, doesn't it? Wash your hands for 20 seconds, people. So there were the three goals. Stay pure, stay set apart, um, and maintain the divine order that God has given us. Except it all became about the external behavior. And so Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, who was around and prophesied the coming of the Messiah, and also this prophecy that Jesus quotes before the Pharisees were even on the scene. And Jesus says, he was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus goes on, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, quoting command of God. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, Pharisees, that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you you start out in this one aspect of the conversation Um, and then realize that it's just opened up a whole can of worms that you didn't really want to open up in that moment, and so you're going to just start drinking back. But there's no way to go. Uh, I imagine this is how the Pharisees might feel right in this moment. 
Because when they ask the question, you might think, well, that's an innocent question. Just asking, hey, why don't your followers wash their hands? They're like, that's feral not to wash your hands. But like I said, it wasn't just about being hygienically clean. It was about this action of purity, which Jesus highlights, well, no, you're just doing that because you just want to keep the traditions alive. But your heart is messed up. And the Pharisees asking Jesus, they were looking to undermine Jesus' authority because for a rabbi, it was the actions of your disciples reflected on you as a rabbi. If your disciples couldn't follow the rules, then what kind of rabbi were you? What kind of rabbi was Jesus if his disciples wouldn't even follow the rules? And Jesus, in his magnificent brilliance, says, you are asking about one of your rules that you've made up, that your forefathers made up, and completely let go of the commands that my father gave you. Check your priorities. And he highlights that it's not even just about this purity action because it's all the impurity that it's, it's their hearts are impure that lead them to think in this way rather than actually thinking in the way that God has given them. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. And the whole idea was with the Korban was that their followers, the followers of the Pharisees, their disciples, if you will, would have uh, income or money, however it might be, and go to their parents, who they were actually, as Jesus says, meant to honour by looking after them and saying, well, actually, that's set aside for God, so I can't give it to you. The problem with that, from what I read and understand, is that mm, some of the time it didn't even make it to God. It kind of just stayed with the person making the promise. And so Jesus just highlights the hypocrisy of these people and says, you come up with these rules and regulations, but it's only about you. It's all for you. And the initial heart of wanting to be pure, wanting to be pure and set apart has been lost in this sea of confusion and hypocrisy, which is only for you to keep distance between you and everybody else. The word Pharisee actually comes from uh, the root word meaning separate. And it wasn't that the Pharisees wanted to be separate. They just wanted the nation of Israel to be separate from the world around them. But it became about the Pharisees being separate and about those that followed the rules properly and those that didn't follow the rules, even in their own nation. Jesus says, you've lost the plot. Verse 14, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So remember that the Pharisees wanted to make sure that they stayed pure. as The nation of Israel, not just the Pharisees, not just the priests, the nation of Israel stayed pure because the outside world, everybody outside the nation was impure. That was, their, that was their, one of their primary goals. And then Jesus highlights, you're making it about some action of washing their hands? It's not even about that. It's about your heart and your heart is impure. And that is where your actions come from. Verse 17, after he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. <laughs> and Jesus says, are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing enters a man, 
Nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Again, that's in brackets. That's Mark educating his readers on what is happening with what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus goes on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. I don't know about you, I I read this and I wonder what is the disciples' response in this moment. We we don't hear from the disciples apart from them asking for an explanation on the very short parable that Jesus teaches. It's bewildering in one instance that it goes from a question about cleaning of hands to this highlighting from Jesus, the Son of God, that says it's not even about the washing of hands. These purification rites that man has invented. But it's what is happening on the heart, what is happening in the heart. And everything flows from that. What is happening in the heart and everything flows out of that. It's not what you put into your body that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your body. Which would have been radical for the Pharisees and for the disciples who were doing everything they could to stay pure and clean. And Jesus flips it all on the head and says, well, actually, it's about what's already in you. And how do you How do you manage what is in you? How do you manage what is in your heart? Well, that comes down to what you actually feed your heart to begin with. What do you think on? What do you focus on? What gets your, your thoughts and your attentions? What gets my attention? This is why we pray, Jesus, we fix our attention and our affection on you. Because in that moment, I shift my attention, my affection, my thoughts, my, my feelings from whatever it is that might be before me. And I bring it all back to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because in that moment, I receive a heart adjustment as well. And it's, and it's, quite, it, it's this moment of, am I impure? Do I go from impure to pure? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe my thoughts go from impure to pure, but my heart receives this purification as well as I once again adjust myself and, and come into alignment with, with Jesus and um, his good and pleasing and perfect will and for the way that God has called me to live and for the, the man, the, the husband, the father, the son that um, he has called me to be and made me to be for the leader that I'm meant to be. and Because all of this stems from when I actually fix my attention and my affection on Jesus and let him be my guiding light in all that I do. There's, there's a danger that comes when we don't actually stay true to God and his word. And this is what happened for the Pharisees. And there's a lot of talk right now um, in terms of discrediting biblical truth. And that's a whole nother 
rabbit warren that we could go down. And it's not new. It, obviously, it's been done throughout all of history to look at the Word of God and say, well, that doesn't apply in the same way anymore because of this, that, and the other. And yes, we are under a new covenant, not under the old covenant any longer, but Jesus takes the old covenant and just cranks it up. But there's a whole lot in terms of what it is to actually honour the Word of God in our lives and people wanting to discredit, well, scriptural truth and this doesn't apply because you know, that was for long ago or that was for that context. But what it means to actually come back to the God of all creation and to say, all right, I submit myself to your good and pleasing and perfect will. How do we know what his good and pleasing, perfect will? Well, I want to get into his into his word. I want to hear what he has said. I want to hear what he is saying and to live out of, live out of that. Here, I want to uh, go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Because Paul writes to the church at Ephesus um, and kind of conveys a similar message to what Jesus con- conveys to the Pharisees and disciples in this about what it is to keep a heart of purity and why we'd keep a heart of purity and how we would go about that. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is a tall order, but only possible through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Be imitators, this is 5 verse 1, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So Paul writes to the church and he says, actually, you can imitate God because you are children of God. You can be like the Father because you are his children. A follower of Jesus is a child of God and can live the life that he has called us to live because we are his children. And how do children learn best? By watching their parents, watching other people around them and doing exactly the same. There are rules that have to be followed. Yeah, absolutely. Rules that keep us safe, rules that protect us. That's a whole other argument and conversation about what rules we should and shouldn't follow and when we push back against them. And... But the mandate that we have is to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And I think the key in there from what Paul writes to all the things that we shouldn't do is living a life of love and having a spirit of thanksgiving 
Verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And I think it's one thing to talk about fixing my attention, my affection on Jesus. How can I ensure that my heart stays pure? It's really hard to be arrogant. It's really hard to be misguided. It's really hard to be judgmental when I have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving continually. Because then I remember all the... I remember who God is and all that he's done for me, for my family, for us, for the world that we live in, for his son dying on the cross. And I, I find it's not so much about, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that in order to stay in relationship with God. It's like I am so enamored with the God of all creation, his son Jesus, with his Holy Spirit who is our comforter and counselor, I'm so thankful for who they are and all that they've already done. I can't help but actually follow his good and pleasing and perfect will for my life. Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect at it. Nobody's perfect at it. We fall short, we sin, we repent, we receive forgiveness. We come back to imitating God. Ephesians 5 verse 8, For you were once darkness, not you were in darkness, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. The Pharisees wanted to stay separate because they didn't want to be unclean and impure. So they came up with this whole list of stuff that people had to do and not do. But what does it look like when we actually live as children of light? When when we, as sons and daughters of God, find out what pleases him. And we have that through his word. We have that through the life, death and resurrection of his son Jesus. We have that through the letters from Peter and Paul and James and John. We have that through all of the Old Testament when we see a God of love at work to save and redeem his people and to keep them holy and pure, even to the point where they choose to not stay in relationship with him. I have three questions that I think about when I, as I've worked through this and spent time going over this passage for today and preparing. What has my heart? Why do I do what I do? And who am I following? Who am I following? Because in all of those, in the Pharisees honoring the traditions of their men and letting go of the commands of God, the answer to those questions became perverted from the path of righteousness. But when I, take, when I do a check and I go, okay, what has my heart right now? And Narelle and I will often we'll ask each other, how's your heart? Because often we'll go, oh, you know, it's not in a great place because of this, that and the other. Or we'll go, actually, awesome right now. And here's what we can be thankful for. Or eh, it's half and half. But when I check and I go, okay, what has my heart in this moment? 
I can be aware of what might be impacting me, what I'm feeding on, whether that's negative thoughts or I'm inputting negativity or just drinking up way too much social media or stuff that I don't need to feed my spirit and soul with. But I go, okay, just a heart check here and now. What am I putting into my heart and where is my heart at? And why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, what, what's my motives? What's, why am I living out this? What lies am I believing that lead me to live this way in this moment? Just to ensure that I come back on track with the life that God has called me to live. And who am I following? Yes, we are all called to be imitators of God. We are called to be sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. But am I following the latest craze on social media? Am I following the loudest voice in the news or the media that is happening right now? Or am I following the voice of reason? Is there somebody that's actually pointing me back to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and saying, here is what it is to live a holy and pure and blameless life. And that's why we, in different ways and shapes and forms, we have community so that we can have people around us who will continue to point us back to being children of the light. Psalm 51, David writes this psalm. This is after he'd been confronted by the prophet Nathan, after he'd committed adultery, when he had been completely impure um, and had an affair with another man's wife. And this is his cry. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence, Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. I love that. The cry of his heart is creating me a clean heart. I have messed up beyond belief, Lord. And my only hope is that you would create a clean heart within me, renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. And why? So that actually the people around me, the transgressors and the sinners around me, will become aware of who you are and what you're like. When we are made pure by the love and the grace and the mercy of God, when our prayer becomes, create in me a clean heart, O God, it's not only for my benefit, for our benefit, but that the world around us would actually know who God is and what he's like. And we don't have to be set apart through rules and regulations to stay pure, ritually, religiously, spiritually pure. But in submitting ourselves to the Father's will, to fixing our attention and our affection on him, we imitate him and let the world see what he's like, and all that he's done. Father, I pray for each and every one of us have your way in us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, for the life that we have because of his death and his resurrection. 
May we know what it is to imitate you today and every day. Maybe you're watching this, maybe you're listening to this at some point today. Whenever you're listening to this and you think, oh, I don't have this relationship with Jesus. I, like I've, I've, learnt, I've heard a lot today, but I don't know what this means to live as, as a child of God, to be a brother or a sister to Christ. And maybe the Spirit's stirring within you and saying, you know, there's, there's more to this that I, I, I'm not aware of. And if that's you, I just want to invite you in this moment to say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the life that you have, you have for me to live because you have paid the price on the cross. Because Jesus paid the price on the cross that we could have an everlasting relationship with the Father. He paid for your sins. He bought your forgiveness. He reconciled you to his Father. So if that's you, I just want to invite you in this moment maybe um, to put your hands out and just say, Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life and I submit myself to the Father's will that I would receive your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, come.